Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T, Wicked Bitch of the East. I don't remember what I came up. Oh, that's right. The uh, Good Tea of the East, Wicked Bitch of the Yes. Well, this is episode two of season five. I'm very excited for this episode. Before I get into it, here are a couple announcements. Yeah, that's right. My crowdfunding campaign is live. Okay, if you're listening to this, there's about a week and a half left of it. I'm trying to raise 18 grand to shoot my short film. And you know what? I'm confident it'll happen, okay? Even though it's has not happened yet doesn't mean it won't so if you have not donated and you're interested in checking it out or just helping spread the word okay you can watch a video the video is free watch the video enjoy it don't feel bad if you can't give it's seedandspark.com slash fund slash get loved short or follow the instagram at get loved film all of this is up on my instagram as well at Teresa Lee Bot. you know where to find me okay i'm very accessible i have a lot of adhd so therefore many email accounts and instagram accounts where you can dm me um, that being said, if you do want to officially be a confidant, uh, you can join my OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash Teresa Lee. Yeah, I know. It's a strange place. Lately, I have been telling people that it's not what I wanted it to be, but since I'm there, I am able to connect with confidants. So we're going to stick it through until something better comes along. Um, though that being said, yeah, OnlyFans, all this hype you've heard, it's kind of true. Even though they told me they're really trying to branch out to creators, they mute words like, meet and 18 so i'm like hmm this is a sketch for sure that being said i'm pretty transparent with what i put up there so you know i've got free content i've got paid content um read the descriptions there's no surprises okay if it says it's a video about the quantum leap that's what it is um so enjoy i hope uh okay another quick announcement i have some live shows coming up i am in new york city i will be Back in LA very briefly, though, for a few days where you can catch me at the Dynasty Typewriter opening for Cameron Esposito on Sunday, September 19th. Um, I will also be in Venice, California on September 18th. And then back in New York, uh, I've got some shows. You can check out TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shows. Some fun ones coming up. I'm doing Thruple Comedy at the Slipper Room in the Lower East Side. That's going to be a fun one on September 21st. We'll also be doing Butterboy Comedy at Little Field. Love that venue. Okay, September 27th for the Brooklyn Nights out there. Um, and a couple other ones coming up, so just look at my calendar. Um, and that's it. Okay, I'm going to get into this episode now. Please enjoy this episode with Alex Hooper. You can tell her. You can tell her. It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. Oh my God, it's good to be back. This is a new season of You Can Tell Me Anything, and I am so excited for my guest today. He is going, he's on tour currently, but when you're listening to this, you can catch him still on tour, and you can get all his tour dates at hoopercomedy.com. He has a podcast called Achilles Heel, and he's an America's Got Talent star and very funny comedian. Put your hands together for Alex Hooper. What up? Yeah, yeah. I imagine everyone's cheering and clapping at home. Father long legs. I love that. <laughs> I, I I feel like it came out of um like me like you know how people have those AKAs in podcasts and I didn't have one before and then I would do like my friends um have you done the Daily Zeit guys? It's like Jack O'Brien. No, I've never done that one. Oh gosh. Oh, you'd be great. Oh, um, but they, I used to work with Jack at Cracked, but um, anyways, they all, they had, like do a whole thing of AKAs, so when they would have me on, I would feel like really, it felt like I wore the wrong outfit to like, you know, like I didn't check the dress code for a, you know, formal attire party because I would never have one. So 
I can't remember exactly where it came out of, like, if someone gave it to me or what, but um, now I call myself that. But it's actually gone into the confusion because I, like, in an executive, or, like, in a general meeting, I had to, like, explain it, and they were really confused. Like, they were like, but who is, like, we kind of just want to talk to Teresa Lee, like, not Father Long, like, someone's like, no, it's just me, it's just, it's just Monica, it's just my name, like, I, I get that so much because, like, my, my, like, like, festival nickname is Tr- Tree Stump, and the first time I went on America's Got Talent, I was going as Tree Stump, and I had this whole backstory about how I live in a tree, and I'm this magical creature, and then, like, we went through, like, a 40-minute interview about Tree Stump, and then I get a call, like, three days later, they were like, so, Alex, we sat down in the meeting with producers, and I started going over the fact that you live in a tree, and you have a tail, and they told me to please call you again and find out who you really are, because what is this? And I was like, okay, so now I'll give you the real story now that we've gone through, you know, almost an hour of made-up fictional magical character. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Wait, one second, can you turn your input up a little? Because I I think that it's quiet on my end. I don't know if it's just- Is that better? Yes, thank you. Sorry. I'll okay, cool. There you go. That is hilarious and also just a great way to describe Hollywood of like they to your face are just they either have no idea what they're talking about or they like what they they see but then they have no power to like it. You know what I mean? Like so it's like you still go through the emotions of like Yeah, I mean uh, honestly I give it I give credit to them because they were like, Who do you want to promote? Do you wanna promote Alex Hooper or whoever this tree stump? thing is and i was like probably a good point that i use my own name if it's going to be spread around the internet and seen by millions of people yeah you, well but both are great but i i know alex super so i'm i'm uh you know partial to that well see, speaking of which before we get too far i like to start with a good confession just for our listeners to get to know you so is there something good you'd like to confess Ooh, uh let me let me what is something good that i want to confess i mean I spent many years uh, in completely in love with my best friend who uh, eventually knew, realized it and proceeded to treat me like garbage because oh of it. Oh my god! Um, wow, that sounds like a like a big confession. Um, yeah, I mean, I've talked about it like a little bit, but most people don't know like that this was like literally the beginning of me turning my life around into this positive optimist is I had to break free of one horrible relationship so that I could realize and discover what was actually out there waiting for me. Oh, wow. I love that because I have a different situation, not with the best friend, but similarly like hit rock bottom relationships. But with those kinds of things, they tend to it's not out of nowhere, you know, there are like many like shitty relationships before the big dump. Uh, I don't know why I went with yeah. this dump uh, oh, uh, metaphor. Dump. No, but... Getting, everybody go to your toilet, get the big dump going. <laughs> On Instagram, do a photo dump, visit the dump. You could be down in the dumps. Yeah. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. What do you need from me today? Well, at first I was like dump, like getting dumped, and then I really, it tickled me to make the poop joke. <laughs> Hey, I'm here for it. Listen, there's still a part of me that's a first-year comic that's just like, it's all poop and masturbation. Yay! I know. I still, like, I mean, because, you know, on stage, I'll, like, write out, you know, more, well, I hope the smarter jokes, and sometimes they're just dumb, but it's just so, so fun. To, like, that's why I do like Twitter, as shitty as, you know, as toxic of a place that it is. I'm like, I can just do, like, I love <laughs> stupid, childish 
jokes. Uh, the clever, dumb puns, like, you know, they innuendos. Do. They're just fun. <laughs> I have to, like, steer myself away from puns sometimes when I'm writing out, like, comedy bits. Because what happens for me is I think of a premise, and then I go to my computer, and I write it out as far as it will go. And I literally have to stop myself from coming up with very, very cheesy lines. And I, I have to just write them and get them out of me and then realize that they're <laughs> stupid and I can't say them on stage because I'm better than that. I'm not some dad joke comedian. Although part <laughs> of me kind of wants to be. I know. It's like, be be who you are because I imagine people who are dad joke comedians feel free to be themselves. But I imagine if you hold yourself that way and you had other parts of you wanted to express, that would also feel very limiting. So. <laughs> yeah, very much, very much so. Just do whatever you need to do to feel like yourself. Yeah. Well, I love that. Um, this kind of transitions into, uh, I like to, before we get into the, like the main story, kind of ask my guests about um, their experience with therapy and, and mental health because more like in a light way, but because I started this pod because I started going to therapy late and I loved how like freeing it felt to be able to actually just talk about, you know, myself and experiences. But you mentioned um, your cho- it was a choice to become like a positive, optimistic comedian. And for those who know Alex, um, he is very, very positive and just like a bundle of light and joy. But also, like, it's not, to, it's very apparent to anyone who knows you that it's not from like a, you know, like shut out the negative kind of way. Like, you're, you are doing the work oh. and you, you have the experiences and you are empathetic. But it's, um, so yeah, I'd love to like hear more about that because you said it was a choice and it does seem like a, that's how I've known you. But um, do you go to therapy? Do you, what do you do to like work on yourself and what's your sort of like self care routine in that way? Yeah, so I actually I don't go to therapy. Um, I and it's because it's it's I at some point I, in my life I know I will. But I had a really bad experience as a child. Like my parents got divorced when I was really early. I had a really horrible eczema, like one of like completely covering my entire body. I was hospitalized multiple times as oh, a man. kid. I was just it, like talk about being uncomfortable in your own skin. Like that couldn't have reigned more true oh, for wow. me. And so I grew up with this horrible pain which trend which kind of transitioned into this anger and deep sadness that was expressed in a multitude of ways but mainly through absolute chaos and unpredictable energy unloads that i just couldn't really hold inside anymore and I would just blow up um so my parents started to eat me in therapy really really young but how old were you like the first time I started going six. Oh wow so, yeah that's a common thing I've heard from because I mean it really there's no you know right or wrong answer people some people on this pod have never gone or gone and hated or just never want to but um a common theme I hear is a lot of folks who've gone as children like ha- have had negative experiences not everyone but but it seems pretty common that that would I understand why that would uh, deter you from wanting to go as an adult because it, it must be such a different experience when you're forced to go and you know your parents tend to be the provider of safety and suddenly there's a stranger there and it's it must be a whole thing yeah well you just eat at that time i'm such a confused state of being that mm-hmm. i can't even like reckon with the fact that this person is here to help me and kind of guide me through this process and so over the years my parents made me go to all these different therapists but i was in such an angry state in my life that i refused to do the work mm-hmm. i have literally destroyed multiple therapists office and i mean picking up their plants oh, wow. throwing them like hulk the style oh my god oh, yeah like like super like to the point where i was actually like fired from 
You're fired? <laughs> yes. They what? said he can't come back in here anymore. He's too destructive. And I mean, this is this is how bad it got. I'm not sure I've ever said this on a podcast or not, but I was so committed to my parents being wrong about how this was mm. the way to fix me that I refused to speak and when I was 15 wow. I went to think in therapy they were like Alex you have to do this work we're paying a lot of money out of pocket for you to get this help from this top of the line guy in Maryland this is $200 an hour don't waste this money and as soon as they told me that I was like I'm gonna go in there and not say a single word for every single session so for four sessions oh, straight wow. I literally refused to speak I sat there for an entire hour he would try to ask me questions and I would just sit there and stare at him and then eventually he said are you ever going to talk in here because my parents are furious obviously mm. they're they're coming out and says they're like what do you talk about and he, the guy's like he won't talk he won't do it. I was, I'm such a stubborn asshole, Teresa. Like, honestly, like, I'm, wor I'm still working on my stubbornness. I, um, but, I hear that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So, no, this is how bad it got. Yeah. Um, when I finally did speak, I'm 15 years old. He's got a picture on his desk of his daughter. And I just said, is that your daughter? And he's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. And I was like, that's the only thing I'll talk about. He goes, and he's like, I'm not talking about that with you. And I was like, do you think she likes to get fucked in the ass? Oh, my God. At 15. This man is mortified. He, like, he has a picture on his daughter on of his desk the person he loves probably more than anything else in the world. And I, this is the one thing I'm going to talk to him about. I was a monster and wow. I welcomed it into my life. And the more devious and destructive I could be, the more I enjoyed going down that rabbit hole. No. Wow. I mean, well, I, I feel like I'm tearing up only cause I mean, it's, it, I mean, I'll acknowledge, like, obviously talking about this with all the self-reflection you've done, because it, it, it does sound like that probably caused a lot of pain in the moment, but also knowing you're 15 and also maybe having, now I'm not in that place anymore, but I've also been, you know, the kid who acts out to get attention because I felt hurt and um, having close family members that have gone through it, like, Hearing that made me tear up because that that when you, as soon as you said I refuse to speak, I knew exactly that feeling, and it it hurts. It's like a ball of fire in your throat, like because you, it's not that you are trying to hurt others; it's that you feel so hurt. And I imagine having maybe you didn't have the words to say it, but like as an adult hearing this and hearing like parents explaining how it's expensive and they're trying so hard, like of course they love you; they don't need to say that. But as a child, you don't know that, and when you hear parents telling you you need to work on stuff because of money like that is like one of the sharpest stings um I'm like tearing up because it's like that feeling makes you want to climb up because you don't know how to get the love you need and it's almost like you are self-destructing to to get to the point where they can love you again uh, I'm so yeah, glad that you got through that but that's so just heartbreaking to hear like for baby 15 Alex because I know you know yeah it sounds like you were aware that you were acting out but you needed you didn't feel loved Oh yeah, I wanted to die and I wanted the entire universe to implode with me. And that was my entire MO back then, was just how many people can I piss off in a day? If you're happy, how can I make you sad? How can I bring you into my level of hell that clearly I didn't sign up for, but somebody else instilled this in me? And so when we talk about like, how did I get to this positive place? I have spent 
years reconciling and forgiving myself for the person that I was back then, the kid that didn't know any better, that was just trying to reduce any sort of discomfort that I was feeling both mentally, physically, and emotionally. And now I've gone completely in the other direction. And all I want is for you to feel good if you're mm -hmm. around me. And I feel like I'm making up for years of lost time by going exactly the opposite direction that I used to be in. That's so beautiful. I mean, I definitely even and I got to know you more over quarantine, which is funny because it's like we haven't been able to do shows or see each other in person. But I feel like just even in the last like year through digital uh, interactions, like I definitely felt impacted by your energy. And so I, I mean, I'm sure you know, like it's working, but I love that. And it's, I'm so glad that you um, found that on your own. I think the thing we forget sometimes as like adults is like when we were, cause we remember everything as us, right? But when you're a child, your brain is developing. It's still a full person, but I do think a lot of people don't realize as adults, you, even if you didn't get what you need, like now you are an adult and it's harder. I don't think it's easy, but you can now give it to yourself. It takes some time. Like I had to learn that, but, yeah. but that's the beautiful thing. Like I don't expect kids. I would never blame like a 15 year old for not getting what they need, but now I'm like 31. So bleep. No, but, <laughs> I, but now when I have moments like feeling sad or moments when I remember how, you know, the trauma or anything, I'm just like, okay, remember it. But also remember now you are that adult. So parent yourself bitch or stop crying <laughs> yeah no exactly and don't be hard don't be hard on the child that you used to be like if you were acting yeah. out if you didn't if you look back and you go god that's embarrassing it's okay we all were learning none of none of, like you said none of our brains are fully there yet we don't know how to be a human and so we're trying out all these iterations that make sense to us at the time and looking back you're like why did i ever think that was a good idea because i didn't know any better and you're trying it out to learn it's not i did not nothing like the not talking for that long but i one time in class got in trouble for i don't remember what made me want to do it but I do remember the feeling and when you said that it kind of like triggered that memory of like I just kept saying I think I kept saying like uh, I'm weird oh that was exactly what it was I remember now <laughs> like it came back to me but everything someone every time like a teacher would call me anytime someone would like pass me that paper I was just like I'm weird I'm weird and I was like a good student and I don't it baffled the teacher so much I annoyed her and she sent me to the principal's office and I remember feeling like I like my brain was going like you have to believe you can't say anything else because they were like stop doing this and I was like I'm I wouldn't have started actually even trying to express myself through the words I'm weird to the point where I was like I'm weird like like oh I can't help it because I think what I wanted subconsciously was someone to be like something's wrong with her let's take her to the doctor and care for her right. but <laughs> I was like creating a, a false malady because I didn't know how to describe being sad <laughs> so but also that compulsion is inviting people to let you to let them know like oh like she's weird so that's why she's acting this way and it gives you an excuse to keep doing this mm. because you are being weird and you're acknowledging it so people are like oh yeah she's just weird like that and yeah. so you're you're putting yourself in this bubble and then other people are just like oh yeah she's just in there yeah, man, this is like, I feel like I'm, I'm learning, just even through talking to you, like, you're learning a lot just by you being authentic. I love that so much. Uh, no, I, I know it sounds cheesy. Sometimes I'm like, oh, God, I, I started this podcast to just, you know, as a comedian, being like, I'm just going to have 
funny conversation with my friends and then somehow like and I love it but a lot of <laughs> a lot of them will get so deep and then like a lot of the listeners who I love so much but they'll like share you know they're like oh this is really like you know helping with trauma and I'm like damn did I go for is my podcast making me less funny because <laughs> I'm just like here's all my, my deepest darkest shit that I don't talk about on stage <laughs> that's my podcast too and the thing is like even though even though I'm on this like rainbow side of life where I always try to be like happy I embrace the dark and my humor is extremely dark it's also very silly and that's mm. why I get away with saying really horrible things because people know that it's coming from a place where I'm kidding and yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm joking clearly I don't actually think this way but like my thoughts are still there's still this part of me that like marinates inside that is just like it's like we could end it all right now we could mm. go back to our devilish ways we could destroy the world and i'm just like no we don't want to <laughs> do that anymore we're past that we now speak to people like all of these <laughs> things you know we don't bark at old people anymore Alex. oh my god <laughs> Another thing I used to do when I was like 15 to 17, old people would walk by me and I would just go, <sighs> like, just to be a fucking dick. Wow. To be, uh, for them to go, these teenagers today. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. We're going to run the world, old timer. Like, well, it's a little a bit like the law of attraction, but you're leaning into the opposite end. But it does kind of, yeah, yeah you like get what you put out. But you weren't, you were already not getting what you wanted. So you, you're like, might as well put out something worse. Yeah, that's the thing is people, sometimes people hear me talk about like my childhood because they think like, you must've always been like this, right? You're just this rainbow sprite that sprinkles joy wherever he goes. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck no. <sighs> uh, ask, ask anyone who knew me growing up. I was one of the worst children you could imagine. I wasn't like super, I wasn't super violent, although a lot toward myself not really toward others but i was just i was inflicting pain mm. any way i could verbally emotionally mentally i mean the amount of times i have like called my mom a cunt and all these other things and like i mean literally just for the purpose of like just to be a fuck ass you know what i mean like for no other reason than i'm in pain and now you're gonna feel it, which isn't fair to anyone that was trying to take care of me. And my family did everything to try to give me a good life. They really did. And my, I have, I've asked my mom about this a lot, and she's like, I just, I, I there was no other option than for me to love you as much as I could. Mm. So even if you were gonna resist it. I wasn't going to stop. And honestly, like, she was like, I, how, one day she said, like, uh, uh, this is like a month, or two, a month ago, she was visiting. She goes, how am I your mother? And I was like, mom, you're the only person <sighs> that could have been my mother. Like anyone else, I would have been out the fucking door when I was 12 years old. I would have been shipped off to boot <sighs> camp or something. And it almost got there. It got really, really wow. close. I mean, I'm a, I wouldn't do any of my work in school i refused to do homework um i dropped out when i was a senior i just stopped going and they were like you need to go to school and i was like physically dragged me there then and wow. they they couldn't so then i just didn't wow i mean 
it's really yeah gosh because I hear that I feel so many things when I hear that because I have worked on a lot of my relationship with my mom and it was a choice for me to stay like we went through some times where I was like oh it's really un- like unhealthy and to the point because she didn't get what she needed so when I was younger and I needed her she wasn't there but now as an adult I really don't want to resent her even though it takes a long time to really fully work through it like I'm sure I still have you know doubts and triggers but I made a choice to like keep her in my life and work on it and it it's something that I know not everyone like wants to do because sometimes people are like you just got to cut out some because there are still times I'm like god why would she make me feel this way but I think it is um now I'm of the camp of like I fully accept that she couldn't give me what she needed but I don't fault her so because I think you can need a lot it seemed like it seemed like based on your story like even physically like you needed a lot of extra attention and care which is different from maybe like someone who didn't have like the eczema or whatever you know but that's not your fault either but also it might not be your parents fault if they don't know how to handle it so I think that's the tricky part that people as adults forget is like it isn't really about anybody's fault or or sometimes there isn't a right way right because sometimes it's just a difficult situation but I think you saying like you forgive yourself and you found a way to be happy that that's like the clearest path to getting out because now I don't need my parents to like I would love for them to love me but I don't need them to like care for me the way I did as a kid so now I can just work on giving that to myself and like the relationship part whereas as a kid it is a little harder to trust someone when your survival depends on them I think But what a breakthrough that you went through to realize that like your mom was just trying her best and living out her own reality as she had learned it and passing it on to Mm -hmm. you, that she's not actually trying to diminish your presence in any way or make you feel this way. She, that's just what she was taught and now she's passing it down. And for you to actually go through the steps to realize that and still be like, well, I'm not gonna cut her out of my life. I'm still gonna find a way to make room here because she's my mom and that's important that just shows tremendous growth on your part and what my mom told me is like you alex like i i all i can hope is that you never have a child that is in the type of pain that you were in because there's nothing you can do as a Mm. parent to minimize that pain i mean when people people don't realize like how bad eczema can get because most people that have it, they're like, my elbow's itchy, And I'm like, oh no, my entire body is inflamed. I'm covered in scabs. My eye is, when I was in fourth grade, it got so bad. My face started oozing pus and my eye crusted over into itself. So I couldn't open my eye. And so literally I was going to school looking like one of the aliens in fucking a monster movie, just like, like my skin had been literally peeled off. You were like allergic to living. You were like, I don't want to be here. And that's what I thought. I yeah. was like, how on the earth could the universe do this to me? And I would, I would like, I would pray. I wasn't religious, Aww. but I'd be like, can I have any other ailment? Can I be a dwarf? Can I be a paraplegic? Can I have my sister's diabetes? Can I have anything else other than fucking Aww. this? And, you know, one of the things that really, when I started actually appreciating my life, one, the eczema did get better because stress it mm. does, resp- it is, it does respond to stress in your body. But two, 
just alternative medicines came out, really strong medicines mm. they started putting me on, and my skin started getting better. And all of a sudden, it wasn't the first thing I had to think about anymore. And that is such a game changer when you're everything is like well my skin hurts i shouldn't be outside that long i'm crusted over i don't want people to look at me because i'm having a bad day and suddenly it's like mm. oh well what kind of art can i create today Aww. what can i go out and do with my friends how can i physically make myself better because i'm not thinking about the eczema as much and it's still here i still have it all over me and it still affects me all the time but it's just so much more minimal that i can get past it now mm. and i'm actually able to live my life and i mean that was one of like probably six or seven things that happened all in a few year period that like got me to where i am now but like that was such a big one you know i love that that's so beautiful um let's take a quick break when we come back we'll get your confession And we're back. Alex, you've shared a lot already, but the time has come. I would love to know, is there anything you want to tell me? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, of all the things that people don't know about me, I think only one person really knows this, and that's my fiance. Um, apparently, I have very stinky feet. Um, <laughs> okay. And I don't notice that. How did you find like, this out? Is like in this world where people don't tell you when something's in your teeth or your fly is down. Did someone tell you? Someone that loves me, I would walk in the house and she'd be like, I can smell you from here. And I was like, well, yeah, I was just exercising for two hours. And, <laughs> run. and she'd be like, you don't understand how bad it is. It got to the point where she made me keep my shoes outside on the balcony. What? And so it's the shoes too? Yeah, well, because the, like, I'll, uh, my feet will sweat, and then they'll go into the shoes, and then the shoes will smell. So now I actually have these things that like are like filled with like bamboo that are supposed to like take away odor that I have to put in my shoes every time. It was so bad that like I would keep tennis shoes in my car to go play tennis, and my fiance would get in my car, and they'd be in the trunk. And she and the trunk is its own thing. It's closed off. It's not like it's like an SUV. And she'd be like your car smells so bad and i'm like i don't smell it she's like how do you not smell it oh and my god like, well i don't think we smell ourselves that well <laughs> it's like a cat like walking to an apartment where someone has a cat they don't yes, smell it. <laughs> exactly but people will walk in my apartment and obviously it smells like two pugs i don't really notice <laughs> that because i live in it and you know but so for the record, I've never noticed your stinky feet, but um, this is very funny, to, very funny to me as we talked about the immature. And it's just the idea of stinky feet is funny, not the idea of, I mean, it obviously sounds like it hasn't affected too much of your mental health, but does, has no, it? I, I mean. <laughs> no, that one doesn't really bother me because it's more so just like, I don't understand how her smell is so good. She <laughs> smells this intense thing all the time when I don't. And I wonder like, is her, is she just that sensitive or do other people smell mm. this too? Because no one has ever complained about it to me in my life, which makes me think it's mostly just because I usually have shoes on oh. and I'm not in a place where a contained space where I'm just taking off my shoes and walking around barefoot around most people. Well, I'm but... curious if she is sensitive to other, well, so it's interesting that you asked that if she's just sensitive because 
beyond just being sensitive to the smells, the other thing I was thinking is sometimes you're really, like, like you know, she's your fiance. She loves you. So she may be more sensitive to you specifically in a, like, almost like, <laughs> this is like, almost like a, I, I'm no scientific degree, so I'm literally talking out of my butt, but, um, uh, but I, it sounds pseudoscience true. But I feel like I've definitely heard actually like people do get um you know when you're in love with someone you do get more in tune with their physical like smells and ailments and things like that as a survival like you know you're part of the family the clan so like they do get more in tune with things of your body if that makes sense i don't know how much this part is true but i wonder if because of that relationship she's more in tune to things of your body that she might find would be wrong with herself like for example if her feet were smelly she might it might be something she would address like as a sign of something wrong. So then she notices it on you, but maybe for you, it's not a sign of anything. It's just how your feet smell. (laughs) I also, well, I also learned this past year that I have a deviated septum and I didn't know (laughs) that my right side. So when I was on America's Got Talent last season, we were getting COVID tested every two days for like over a month. And so I oh. was getting, I was getting, you know, the long Q-tip, oh, the, tickle, the brain tickle, and they would go up both nostrils. And one day I probably had 20 of them already. And this nurse just goes, do you know you have a deviated septum on your right side? And I was like, what? She's like, no one's ever told you that. And I went, no but it makes sense because when I do drugs at my right nostril, it doesn't really work. And she looked at me and she went, what? And I was like, I'm just kidding. Kid show. Oh my gosh. Like, now I pretty much only do drugs at my left nose. Oh my gosh. I'm going to do them. I barely, because when you said deviated septum, the first thing I thought it was like, is that like, I, that's a like is that related to a Coke thing or is it nose job? Like generally nose jobby thing, but I don't, I thought it meant broken nose, but then I'm like, I don't know if I know what that means now. <laughs> it could come from that. It's basically just that your your nasal passage is clogged. And like, uh. I have this weird thing where in high school, the one thing I loved about my face was I really felt like I had a perfect nose and people would tell me that because I hated my appearance overall. I really uh. fucking disliked it. Um, but my nose was good. And then at some <laughs> point, I got this little divot thing happening right here and actually one of my one of my friends wrote from high school roasted me so well on instagram no one in all the roasts i've done no one has ever brought up my nose and (laughs) she said why does it always look like you're a kid pressing his face against a candy store window that's so cute though Uh, (laughs) it was like pat on the butt yeah. That's a great yeah. rose. And it's like, it's great because it captures like a vibe and a, like, it's like good roses aren't just, you know, like, you, what are the word, ladder? No, uh, singular. Oh, wow. I've forgotten English. The lowest common denominator. You know what I mean? Sometimes people just go for like singular traits, but when you capture someone's vibe and also like it's specific like that, but it's like kind of adorable. Yeah. I love that. Well, that. That's the thing. It's like a kid <laughs> pressed up against the candy store window. Like that's totally me. <laughs> Because I'm always excited about shit. No matter where I am, I find a reason to have fun and, like, let loose and just, like, not tight. If I feel myself tightening up, I can check in with myself and just go, like, why? Like, uh-huh. just give give yourself to whatever situation you're in. I'm a person, if you ever if you ever get lost, if you're, like, if, if we were on a road trip together and we got lost, I'm the best person you could ever get lost with. Not because I have a great sense of direction and I will get us out, but I'll literally be like, 
Who cares? What's over here? We're gonna see new things. Like, I'm the I'm opposite. Just... I'm the worst, but I'm trying to get better because my boyfriend's a lot better at it. He's definitely more chaotic and like down for the ride. But I'm like, as soon as I'm off a plan, like the worst feeling, the worst nightmare I could have is that driving and I don't know where I'm going, like, and I can't stop the car. And it's like, why? Who cares? It's still you. But like, I'm like, oh God, I'm getting further away from something I know and I don't know where I'm going. No, no, help. <laughs> I don't know how people were comedians in like the 70s and 80s when they would go on the road and literally they'd be like in the middle of rural oh Arkansas driving through the night trying to hold a map to figure out where you're going yeah. and then finally in the distance you see one lone light that says bar <laughs> and you realize oh that's the gig that i'm supposed to oh be my at God. i mean that sounds insane to me <laughs> like to go on the road without actually having directions when i first moved to la map quest was a map quest was a thing like where you could print out directions yeah. online but i bought a thomas guide did you ever do you, do you remember that no. Well, I lived in New York for most of my adult life, so I used HopStop, which it was uh, gotcha. the, uh, you know, which subways. It really felt like a hack to which subways to take. And then, you know, now Google Maps exists, and it's just a game changer. Yeah. No, a Thomas guy, they were like, when you go to L.A., you have to buy this this encyclopedia of the roads here. So no, keep it in your trunk, and no matter where you are, you'll be able to like have a map of, so I kept that thing in the back of my car, and then maybe like a year later, I got an iPhone, and I was like, oh, well now I never need this thing again, so we're fine. It, yeah, that definitely changed changed everything. Your, your um, a stinky feet thing reminded me of something, because I, now I'm like, I feel like people don't always, um, you know, necessarily mention stuff like that when when it's a smell because they want to be polite. But when I was in choir, like I was maybe like in high school, 16 years old, I would double book myself. Like I'd be in dance competition, theater and choir. And then we'd like go from a dance convention where you're like literally dancing for five hours. And it's like teenagers sweat a lot. And we're probably not like necessarily doing all we're, you know, appearance over uh, hygiene you know you were like layering clothes to try to be cool you know like you know wearing sweatpants and sweating profusely just because it looks better to dance hip-hop in or oh, whatever yeah. and then I'd like show up to choir and then I would just like there was a period of time when I was like I think there's something wrong my feet smell so bad and to the point where I was like so self-conscious and then my mom told me to put coffee filters <laughs> I don't know if it actually worked but she was like you could do coffee filters so I like started leaving coffee filters in all my dance bags but then I would just feel like coffee and sweaty feet everywhere <laughs> yeah and that's I don't I'm like I don't, for me is this really a problem or do I just when I exercise do I get sweaty people think they look at me and they think because I go to festivals and all this they're like I love being dirty I do not because <laughs> of my skin because of my skin issues if I even go like one or two days without a shower I get pretty uncomfortable which is why like I couldn't go out and like do camping trips and overnights mm -hmm. and all this stuff for most of my life um but no I I relish in being clean like i love as soon as i get back from playing tennis in the morning i jump right in the shower like there are no words spoken i am <laughs> naked and i am in the water scrubbing myself down to make sure that i do not stink or like get that sweat off me 
Yeah, it sounds like this is more of something that uh, is a part of your guys' relationship that actually is more of a sign of communication than a problem. But, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know her well enough to know if it's really a problem, but it's based on how you're describing it, it sounds like it's kind of a fun anecdote. But it, it is interesting to hear because, you know, like a lot of couples – I mean, I think comedians are more open, but I just feel like a lot of couples probably wouldn't have the comfort level to talk about that. And I think that's a testament to how strong your communication must be. Cause even, oh, no, she'll you know. tell me anything like that. Like, <laughs> she, will, she will burn me to the ground if it means getting, if it means, like, she, she, she has that level of honesty with me. The other day, I thought she said, like, um, just i thought she called me a hack and it's not what she said she (laughs) said she actually said she said i didn't i misinterpreted she actually said you're not some whack comedian some whack wacky comedian and i thought she said you're just some hacky comedian (sighs) and i literally turned to her and i was like what did you say she goes you're some you're this wacky comedian i was like Oh, I thought you said hack. She goes, Alex, of all the things I would be happy to call you, I will never, ever call you that. And I was like, I'm glad you know that that's where I draw the line. You can call me a deranged, ugly motherfucker. I do not care. If you call me a hack, I'm like, uh uh-uh, nope. I got all the proof in the world to show you that I'm not that. Oh my I, gosh, that is so I think funny. A deep-seated fear in me because like, clearly I got really defensive just now when I talked about it. But so your I identity that... also maybe is more tied now to being a comedian and something that you are empowered by, and because you get to, con- you know, you literally can control the narrative in a healthy way. Like you, you are improving. You're not like stuck in a place as a comedian, but you're the CEO of that. So I think it makes sense that for so long as a child you felt like you had no control and people had to dictate your perception of yourself and now you've opened up to being like whatever i don't care except for this one thing where i found myself in like you can't take that from me that makes sense though right because it's like you're like this is me and now i identify with this so don't take this away because I've never found anything like comedy was the biggest like of all the things like getting into a relationship the eczema medication pubs festivals all the things that led to me it's a huge part of it they're right uh-huh. over there um they're like they all these things that led to me being the person I am today the biggest thing of it was finding stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and being able to focus all of this manic energy and funnel it into something that was actually creative and was actually servicing me and that's why like I worked so hard on being a good comedian and doing original things that um, it's become so much of my identity like that is if you ask me what I am first am I like am I uh, a man am I white am I what what am I first number one hands down i am a comedian like i value humor over everything else and then like human being comes in second um (laughs) and honestly like barely even second because i sometimes don't even consider myself human at all (laughs) you could i feel like you would in an alternate universe make a uh, a really happy puppy like when you were saying the dog well when um the metaphor about you as a kid in a candy store the other one i was thinking is i'm sure you've gotten this before but like like a dog that's always happy to see its owner, but also has no owner. Like it's both. Like you're just free, <laughs> but also always as if like you just saw, you know, the person you love the most. <laughs> that's like yeah. the vibe I get. I'm fueled by the energy of 
other people and and things that are happening around me which is why i value live experiences so much like going to concerts comedy shows dance parties festivals what art museums i i when i see other people around me enjoying themselves and expressing themselves it only motivates me to grow more into myself and so that was the hardest thing about the pandemic for me was suddenly i was re- i had to be by myself and i was mm. like without all of these external factors influencing me who am I what do I do without Mm. all of that and there was a lot of like really hard moments and my depression came I thought I'd be depression years ago it came raging back at certain moments like Mm. you know I'm sure you had those days too when you're like you wake you wake up but we're in like quarantine you go why should i even move today yeah what is the point no one's going to see me there's no point in trying to be productive because fucking why it's the end of the world and i was like i, I literally had to go wait wait a minute what, what is this you don't need this shoved this way back to the back part of our brain yeah. we put a boot over it we squashed it down on its neck and said you're not allowed here anymore and suddenly it was like yeah but i can wriggle out of this and kind of just show up remember me and i was like oh fuck uh, um so yeah I, a lot of I think that's a yeah that is a man because i relate to that in that like maybe twice in my adult life where i really because it was like depressed, depressed forever, like in a way where I was like, this is just here. And then twice where I was like, I feel like I found the secret. One time was when, you know, I found improv comedy or whatever, improv, but you know, (laughs) something life changing where you're like, whoa, I can see the world in a different way. And then you're like, I beat it. And then when it comes back, you're like, what the fuck? And I think this kind of ties back to what you're saying earlier about sometimes still having those moments where you want to self-sabotage because I used to be like, no, I need to like kick this out forever. And then now I'm like, this is always a part of me. I think you said something like that. Like it's still there, but it's not driving. Right. And I, I like the idea now of thinking like, no, it's there for a reason. Like that alarm bell, that depression is signifying certain changes in the environment and situation and maybe physiologically that I'm feeling in a way where before I couldn't handle it. And now when it's back, I can go, oh, this must mean X, Y, Z. And instead of doing that thing I did before that spiraled me, I will just take the significance of this meaning something in my environment change and deal with the environmental factors instead of myself. And that's helped a bit. But I mean, it's easier said than done. There are still days, you know, of course, when I'm not in my rational brain and I'm spiraling, I'm like, well, let me just self-sabotage. But I now, instead of going, I hate this voice, I go, oh, that's that alarm I set that I just need to figure out how to set it off instead of letting it run. I'm not going to blast this on the PA system. I'm just going to go figure out where it's coming from. Somebody, you know, somebody um, recommended a book on my podcast. Um, I think it was Aaron Darling, um, Taralba. Mm. It's this book called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And so Ooh, I read it. That sounds Anytime cool. If you recommend a book to me, more than likely I will probably read it. Because I, over the past couple of years, I've just like, I've, I've spent a lot of my downtime just reading and it makes me a better writer, makes my brain work better, all these things. I avoided it for years. I forgot how to enjoy <laughs> reading books. But when she recommended this one, it's very much like, look, don't say, don't try to beat your depression by saying I'm not depressed or let me just be happy. Embrace that mm. part of you as well and let it live with you and realize how to work 
with it instead of trying to counteract every single time it, it, yeah. it picks itself up. And so I very much embrace the fact that I still have this stubbornness and this anger and this depression. It's so much more minimal than it used to be, but it's still there. And honestly, that's where I think a lot of my best writing comes from because I'm not afraid to get really dark and yeah. violent. And like when I used to write scripts, like they would all always end with me it's in some sort of apocalyptic setting or i would always die at the end in some grandiose way and like my friends had to be like but are you okay why do you get killed in everything you write and i'm like there's just this part of me that loves that that kind of loves that sadness and embrace mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not afraid to step into it and just go you're here Let's yeah. live in you for a while. It's familiar, too, because I think I recently was able to, you know, I'm in a healthy relationship now, but it took me so long. To, and really, it's not the other people. I had to actually work on myself. I mean, some of them were the other people, too. But, like, you know, for the most part, the reality is until I could, you know, love myself, it, it, it's impossible to have someone love me. And, 100%. Yeah, and what you were saying about the um, – like the the wanting the familiar or the what have you said the sadness or something you want to live in I relate to that and recently I was thinking about that because I, I had that feeling of like maybe I should self-sabotage things are going too well and then I like quieted it down but not by shutting it off I was like okay why are you asking this Teresa and I realized it's because the fear of like oh when things used to go well and then they went wrong and it's like I have no way of knowing if I'll repeat that but the only way I can hopefully break that is to just trust that it won't happen and I realized like it it's the sadness felt familiar because for so long it's all I knew so when it was too long without it it scared me right because it's like now I don't feel like myself but I don't want to be myself sad all the time so I it's like that's the transitional period of like being okay with feeling a little not myself while I figure out how to be like this new pace of happiness um, but I, I think people forget that, that when they are like, why do you people look for sadness? It's like, well, if growing up your needs were never met and you're always sad, like that is going to feel more familiar to you than something, you know, new. It's also easier. It's so much easier to sit mm. on your couch and with a tub of ice cream mm -hmm. watching shitty TV going, oh, I'm not good enough, everything sucks, than it is to go out and do something with your life. <laughs> like that's, that's just the sad truth of it is like it's, it's way easier to be a piece of shit than it is to be healthy and happy and it takes work to do it. So I'm never, I never fault anybody that like has serious, like is going through depressive state and can't figure out how to do how to like get off their ass and go live I can try to guide them with what little tips and tricks I've learned along the way that have helped me kind of leapfrog past all of this but I understand like yeah ex excelling is difficult and scary and I think most people when people are like you're not afraid of your failing you're afraid of how powerful and successful <laughs> you could be I don't think that's true I think people are afraid of the work that it will take to get to that status and that's the pain the there's real pain involved I mean you can't yeah the reality is the path to success requires failure like you can't get there without failure and that hurts and so the, the fear is real because the pain is real. And I think it's okay. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's shitty to be like, yeah, no, if you want to, if you want to get better, you gotta, you gotta get hurt and that's going to suck. So 
I don't know I mean, what to tell you. <laughs> like, I tell everyone that, that anyone that wants to be a comedian or wants to be in entertainment, I they if anyone ever asks me for advice, the one thing I tell them is you need to learn to be okay with rejection because yeah. you are going to have so many more no's than you will ever have a yes. But every no gets you closer to a yes and will make the yes feel better. And that rejection, you just have to learn how to accept that it's probably not personal. It has nothing to do with you and that mm -hmm. it's gonna be okay i mean i get i get passed over for things all the time or i audition for things that i don't get and that's fine it's all part of this but when people are like god i didn't get another thing god i bombed again this 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 it's like you need to calm down <laughs> or you're never going to survive this because you're going to beat yourself up to a point when you are a bloody pulp that is losing <laughs> all over the sidewalk how do you handle okay i'm curious because you have such a like um very like healthy attitude towards this and i mean obviously the further you get in your career and the more successful you get you're going to have bigger drops ups and downs so that makes sense you have to get better at that or you're not going to get given the like bigger game but how do you how on the flip side how are you with like rejecting like like do you like it seems like you're really good with boundaries when it comes to you but like if someone is like you know crossing their boundary or asking you for too much are you do you have a hard time like saying no are you pretty good at like just telling someone like hey it's i don't like you or like get away so. like what's I, I definitely used to not be able to say no to people because I, w I just wanted to please everybody and at a certain point you realize what what how will this service me in the end if i help you am i taking something away from myself or am i adding to the overall shared experience of this so i can feel good mm. about helping you you're going to be glad that i did help so if i actually think i can be beneficial to you and i have the time i am more than happy to read your script watch your tape whatever you want <laughs> you sure you don't do. want me to bleep that out because no i'm just kidding <laughs> Oh, the DMs are coming. <laughs> Will you watch my hour? Oh, I have a Game of Thrones amount of tape to watch. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, that's if I can do it. But I also will, I'm not afraid anymore. Like somebody the other day offered me, asked me to do their show. They're like, this is my first show. I want you to do it. I'm really excited about it. And in two years ago, it would have been, yes, of course, I'll be happy mm -hmm. to do it. In this case, I said, where's the show? It was a little further away. I said, how long of a set and what's compensation going to be? And they said, it's the first one, so you're gonna do 10 minutes, I can't pay you. And even though I wanted to help this person and put them put on a great first show, I have to value my time. And mm -hmm. at this point, I didn't see that as a, you know, I saw it more as a detriment that, yeah. I would, that I would get to that night and I'd go, oh, yeah, I got to go do this show instead of I get to do this yeah. show. And, and you I wouldn't tried. have given your like if you know that you're not in the right mind state to be enjoying it, they're not going to get the like headlining performance, not yep. because you are slacking, not like, you know, well enough to just not do it because you don't want to do a bad job, but also they want to run a good show. It's their show. Like if the fact that you're not on it makes it a bad show, like that's not their show. That's exactly. They want you to headline and then they should pay you to headline. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like and look, I'm going to throw out a number here. Please don't 
don't take this you're like you think it's my rate or anything but because it was in la if she had been like i'll give you 20 bucks like uh -huh. i would i would have been like fine but i knew getting to that night that i wouldn't feel like i was excited to go do something it would have felt like a, a have to more mm -hmm. than a desire and i really try to do that anytime i say i have to go do this show i flip myself i'm like no you get to go do this oh, show nice. you're at a you're at a point in your career where people are asking you to do things and valuing you so you should be excited to go do them um but yeah so yeah. i'm getting better i'm getting better at being like no, because in, until you are, until this is good for both of us. I think that's really healthy. And I think about when people have said no to me uh, in a rude way versus a healthy way, like how you did, like the the way you did, because there was a reason and you weren't being an asshole and you had reasons. You don't over explain. It just it's just the truth. Right. That to me is like so helpful. Like, I don't know if that person will keep doing comedy, but if they do. Hopefully they'll get to a point where they close a loop because when they're in that position, they'll know exactly how to act. Like I've noticed that people who um, will like, oh, thanks for asking. I'm unavailable or whatever. Or anybody who's said no, but in a way where I never didn't feel was rude. I later have gotten to those points where I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad for can't because I can't do this. And then I just think about how someone I admire handled it. And it's been so helpful. So I think you're like adding that positivity to the world because if you say something if you say yes because you don't want to feel bad, now somebody they're gonna feel like the only way to get people to say yes is to like take advantage, right? Because that's gonna be the pattern you set up. If people are only saying yes because they don't want to look bad, the pattern that person's world will be is a lot of people saying yes when they don't want to, and somebody is gonna have to try to like convince others to say yes, as opposed to feeling comfortable just asking people, not ruining relationships, trusting yeah. that they'll say no. I said the simplest thing. I just said, I thank you so much for offering. It really means a lot. I'm not doing unpaid shows right now, but I really wish you the best. And when you really, and when you get it going, please hit me up again. You know, yeah. so it's, there's no there's no malice involved. There's no just like, how dare you or anything, because I also for so many years, I started comedy in L.A. I spent years not making any money from this. And now things are different. I have to make money from this. Mm -hmm. So if my time is going to be taken and I'm going to drive 25 minutes to perform for 10 and then drive another 25 back, we're talking overall probably about at least two hours of my time that I am giving to this yeah. thing. And if I don't feel like I'm going to be excited about it, then there's no reason for me to do it. Yeah. And then more than likely you'll, it's a possibility. Oh, I mean, I don't, not that you're someone who cancels, but I've, you know, been, been on shows, whatever, where a big name will be on it in LA or whatever. Cause they're like, sure, whatever. And then they don't, won't show up because it's like, there's no reason to. And I think that's yeah. generally more detrimental for everyone anyways. And yeah, I think I, I'm a big fan of, um, like, saying like in this case you said no because you couldn't do it but I'm also a big fan of like when you do say yes to like favors and things because you want to to still be clear where where uh like what your value and time is because that's the kind of shit like ugh, America runs on you know the legal system and insurance and it's like they love to be like look you didn't deserve this rate because you did this other thing so now sometimes I'll like do things for friends of course comedians you know I'm not gonna ask for a sag rate to act in my friend's short but right. You know, when saying yes, I'll be like, oh, I'm available this day. You know, I won't like, I won't, I'll let them know, like, this is a work day I put aside to do this. So, like, it's very clear, like, I want to be a part of your thing and I'm taking away from my, like, regular rate 
to do this so that they right. are aware that it's like, oh, she's just, it's not like, oh, you're just saying yes. It's like you made an active choice to say yes to something that typically you wouldn't say yes to because you like it or whatever. By saying no, you open yourself up to some other possibility mm-hmm. that, you know, when I, when I don't get a job, let's just say like they're like, like I was up for a TV role on a sitcom that would have been like a week's worth of work. And I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could have, would have gotten that week. That would have been great. It would have been so fun, good money. It's like, okay, but now that week is free. So yeah. that means anything else could happen during that week. So I don't look at it as, as that was an opportunity that I missed. That was not my right opportunity. Yeah, true. And you have to look at it that way. Other people's successes are not my failures. I went in and I did the best job I could when the audition and the show, whatever we're talking about. And if I wasn't chosen, that's okay. It has, yeah. It, it's not my fault. That's true. And then... It's interesting when you said the time thing, because I found I I just incorporated this year and I like fully went freelance. But it's definitely been interesting, like trying to figure out how to value my time. But comedy is so weird like that. Like you have to do some of those bar shows, ten dollars, twenty dollars to build an hour or whatever. And of course, when you do that, your goal isn't to make ten dollars. But at some point, you don't want to lose so much money that you can't, you know, so like it makes sense that why like for people who don't understand why sometimes you will do a show for free or five dollars ten dollars and why you'll negotiate for like you know a couple of grand on other weekends it's because it goes into that right to do that job well at the on the weekend um when you're getting paid the full rate you it, it means you've done the work of doing those small shows which they expect you're doing before you get there and like but that is kind of the agreement they're not like hey, here's a couple grand now, you have to do 20 shows and then do art. Like, they're just like, just come and be ready and do it well, and they expect that's what you're going to do. And I think when you get further along and you're busier, like like you said, taking two hours away, that isn't just giving two hours. That's if you have something coming up down the line, that's taking away from your, you know, readiness for that next thing. So I think that's all stuff that gets factored in later that people don't realize, and I think, Sometimes because people don't realize that comedians do often get um, just kind of like kicked to the edge of like, you know, the creator performer pool. And it's nice to like set that straight because I feel like it's like everyone is working hard and it's not arbitrary. It's just we just have our own ways of calculating like where your time goes, you know. Definitely. And one of the hardest questions is like, how do you value yourself? If somebody says, hey, Teresa, I need you to write me a 10 minute short script about about this product or whatever this scenario, what would this what would you charge for that? Anytime somebody asks me something like that, I'm like, "Uh, uh, okay, uh, who are you? What kind of budget? How much time you have to I have to ask myself so many questions to figure out what is the rate that I can give you that will make me feel happy to do the job and make you feel like you are also getting a good deal that I'm not going to scare you. And I recently started doing this thing. I learned it in a money online money course that I took. I'm asking for amounts of money that make me uncomfortable. Not it's so scary because the, at first what I thought would happen is people would go, fuck you. Who the fuck do you think you are? You're some reality st- TV show piece of shit. You think you're going to command this much money from me? <laughs> That's what I thought would happen. Um, what actually happened is one, most people said yes. Yeah. And some of them said yes so quickly that I was like, oh, I could have even gotten <laughs> more than that. I devalued myself, but I'm still okay with the amount that I asked for. Or they go, oh, oh, 
okay, I didn't realize that your rate would be that high. Um, I can't do it right now, but I'm I'm happy. Things are. I mean, hopefully, we can work together in the future. Nobody says. Oh, look at this big time and asshole. <laughs> Nobody does that. They just assume if you, if I said, Teresa, I have, you need a thousand dollars for you to do this show. And I said, I can only pay you 500. I wouldn't go, well, fuck her. I'd go, dude, she's doing really great. I'm sorry. I can't pay her the amount that she needs. And that's what people do. So now I'm okay asking for these amounts of money that previously I would have scoffed at or been too afraid to ask for because I realize people just look at you and go, oh, I didn't realize, I thought he was here, he's actually here. And, and once you get a yes, that. that's your rate. I mean, that is how business, I mean, honestly, all money is a scam and that's mostly the reason I don't like to negotiate. But, <laughs> but because I know it's a scam, I'm also good at negotiating when it comes to like making those choices because everything makes me uncomfortable because we should all have <laughs> enough all the time but um since we don't uh i do feel like yeah i totally agree with that and honestly i welcome that reaction of fuck you because i'm like great now i know i'll never work with you because if that's the reaction like really it doesn't happen much but sometimes you do get someone who's like bitter and you're like well good you show me your colors because if that happens and you know that their goal was never to value in the first place their goal was to take advantage and i love when People, you know, you said people say yes really quickly. You're like, oh, did I devalue myself? That's possible, but the other possibility is they just already wanted you, and they're like, I have maybe an idea of how much I have. If even if it's over, they're like, okay, well, that's how much he costs. So we want him. So yeah. let's fucking do it. Like nobody's like, oh, Beyonce is this much. Do you think she'll do this? Like it's like, damn, we can't so afford Beyonce. You know. <laughs> Funny you mentioned Beyonce because like two months ago, somebody asked me to do an Instagram live with them, someone that I didn't know. And I said, look, um, they were like, I want to go live with you for an hour with this other person. Um, will you do it? And I said, if you want me to do that, it's going to cost $100. And they were like, why? It's just an Instagram live. And I was like, because you're taking That's an hour time. of your yeah and that's I was reasonable. Like, because i have to do something because i have to be in a place for an hour working that's what that is to me and they were just like you're not that famous honey you're not beyonce stop trying to think you're better than beyonce this. wouldn't do it for a hundred dollars she wouldn't but respond to your idea <laughs> but that's what i said i was like you don't value me and they're like no you should just do our live because we're asking and that should be enough and i said exactly you don't fucking value my time so no and then wow, i and yeah. then i got a series i got a series of like the most heinous <gasps> like like racist homophobic oh misogynistic messages. they said i was and this was a trans person so they tried to spread it and i was anti-trans and they were like what? this person hates that's trans. so toxic and I, was, like, I, I had to block like seven accounts because they kept making new accounts and trying to message me through there and bring me back to the chat and it, i i don't block anybody i i do not do it that's manipulative that is the kind of like yeah that's definitely abuser behavior i mean i'm not saying that person's abuser but that's the kind of pattern you see when people are like oh why won't you do this why don't you love me if you love me you do it like that shit because it's like if you love me you wouldn't put me in this position but that's yeah that's wild i I mean just holding a mirror up to someone like that like they can see in a way it is i'm sure they're on their own journey too because when you think about it like if they don't think you, it's possible your time's worth $100. They probably don't think their time could be worth that much. And that is sad because it's like everyone's time can be worth that much. You just have to, like, you know, grow your skills and character and be proud and confident. And I'm sure that person wants to be creator if they asked you to do that. So hopefully they find their way. Um, you know, they're probably on their journey. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. But I'm glad that you are strong I mean, and able do. to. 
I deal with shit like that all the time. It's part of being on a major TV show is that you're going to get these DMs. And I'm, and most of them are so kind that I do take a second out of my day to just respond with, thank you so much. That means a lot. I'm so glad you're a fan, whatever it may be, just something so that they feel appreciated and seen. But the other side of that is you do get these people that think they know you because they're connected to you through social media, even though we don't know each other. Like I posted about a friend of mine dying and I had three people that I literally don't know be like, I'm so sorry to hear about your friend. Um, call me if you need to talk. Wow. And that's so sweet. That's so sweet of them. It's so kind. But I also like, in my mind, I'm like, I don't even know you. I am like, and there, <laughs> yeah, wow. there, that's, that's so nice. But there are people I will call if I really need to like, break through this, you know? Yeah. So, that's so funny. I mean, yeah, I've gotten it. some like that as well. But usually it'll be like, I'm sad on Twitter. And then it'll be like, do you, are you okay? And then I do feel bad because I'm like, oh, I mean, no, but yeah, like I put it on Twitter. So yes, like, yes, <laughs> like I am okay. I'm not like, I am just sad, but I not so sad. I want to talk to a stranger, <laughs> but like, sad enough, I'm like sad enough to want attention, but not like this, like give me different attention. <laughs> Sometimes people will project whatever they want onto your like, yeah. Twitter Instagram post. So you might have meant it like a little bit sarcastic, a little bit real, but they go, oh no, Teresa's in trouble. She's got a noose around her neck right now. We better say something. It's like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible, but if that was happening, I w wouldn't be on Twitter. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. but you know, I don't follow anyone. That is kind of on me, you know, but it is kind of funny when that happens because like, oh no, that's not what I was hoping for. Like, I was just hoping, you know what? Here's a picture of my butt. That'll work. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. You always get... do have good butt photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. that is what I'm like. That That's more when I'm like, I don't want to deal with people actually being like, are you okay? Because I'm like, I am fine. I just want attention right now. And which means I'm not, but I will be when you give me attention. <laughs> I think you'll appreciate this. Actually, I know you'll appreciate this. Um, in October of 2019, I remember exactly where I was. I was up. I was doing shows in Eureka, California, mm -hmm. um, with my with my friend Bronston Jones, who runs the Venice Underground. Another awesome person. We're up there doing shows. We're driving through the the uh, redwoods. There's a place. There's a strip of it called the Avenue of the Gods, I believe it's Ooh. called. And it's these giant. I mean, for like 40 miles, just the biggest trees you've ever seen lining the way completely canopied over what? and we went to go make an instagram story while we were in there to promote our show and i opened instagram and because there was no service it wouldn't show me anything except whatever the top picture was uh -huh. and it was a picture of your butt <laughs> and yes it was, it was doing the thing where i'm trying to get it <laughs> Refresh feed. Here's Teresa's butt again. Oh my god, my butt was harassing you. <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry, what are we looking at here? I thought we were looking at the video. I was like, I can't get off her butt. The internet only wants me to look at this. Oh right my now. god, I love that. That is so funny. I think that's a great place to end. I had a quick, maybe we could do like a truncated version of this game on our way out. Do you have time? Like five minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Okay, cool. Because I like to end on a fun little. Sometimes we get heavy, which we did in a great way. It's like a roller coaster. Okay, this is the game I want to play. It's a very simple game. It's called The Secret to Happiness, and um, kind of inspired by your your podcast and my podcast. You know, secrets and joy, and you know, whatever. Um, but I very recently found out I'm the last one in my friend group to get engaged. Like my the last girl in our group just got in, 
engage and you know no problem I'm happy to be a comedian and I'm on a different timeline but I have intended enough weddings now that I can fill out a punch card which means I think I'm legally allowed to skip the next one um which will probably be mine uh but <laughs> the, <laughs> I, basically I've sat through enough weddings now to understand why people like Joe Rogan and why people say things like happy wife happy life like it's just there's a different world out there I think um so this game is kind of inspired by the happy wife, happy life mentality uh, of, you know, the dads who make that speech. But in this game, it's kind of, I'm just going to, it's like a fill in the game, a fill, wow. It's a fill it in the blank improv game. I will start a sentence like happy wife, happy life. You'll finish it. Here's an example. Okay. And these are all fake. So you can say whatever you want. If you're smiling while you're filing, then the work is never piling. So in that case, I would say the first part and you would say the second. Very much just a yeah, silly, like silly little game. Okay, so I have a couple. So here's one. Um, don't frown because your tire's flat. Smile because... Your wallet is fat. Ooh, that's a good one. All right, I like that one. Um, it's If it's dark, turn on the light. If blank... Uh, uh, if it's out, then do not pout. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Okay, okay. Sometimes there's a fly in your food. Sometimes blank. Uh, and sometimes that fly is actually a genie that will whisk you into a magical world of good. Ooh. I tried to food with good. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I definitely like, I feel like I went from giving you very easy ones to just completely abstract. So I think you killed it. Um, I think we learned Thanks. a lot today. And you have many secrets of happiness to take away. So, Alex, tell our confidants where they can find your work, where they can follow you, catch your shows, all that plugging. Yup. Go. So, hoopercomedy.com has all of my tour dates. It has my blog posts. It has videos. You can also buy my book, Roast Yourself to Happiness, available on my website. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, my God. Congrats. That's awesome. That. My specials on there, and then Hooper Hair Pop on all social media for all of your needs. Achilles Heel Podcast. I could, yeah, all the stuff. Send him your screenplay. He really wants to read it. Uh, I do. Don't edit it. First drafts only. Uh, (laughs) This podcast, you could follow at Tell Me Anything Pod on Instagram and uh, follow me at Teresa Leebot on Instagram. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. You Can Tell Me Anything is a comedic podcast created and produced by Teresa Lee on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. The Hoo Ha Ha team is Ashley McAtee, Audrey Povar, Maggie Ruth Austin, Cardi Assad, and Stephanie Vignot. The theme song for this podcast was created by Cody Johnston. The outro music was written by Shipwrecked Sailor. And the Hoo Ha Ha app can be found in the Apple Store to stream your favorite comedy series and laugh out loud podcast by the funniest woman in comedy. To contact this podcast specifically, you can email tellmeanythingpod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at tellmeanythingpod. Thank you.